Hey everyone, it's Noe Chavez here with the final session of the Encountering Jesus Bible Study. And uh, it's been an incredible study. And again, I thank you all for taking the time to listen to these. I know they can be long at sometimes. Um, but I feel like we've, I, I myself have learned a lot from these and, and I pray that you have learned too. Um, today is our last encounter. Again, we've been studying in- amazing encounters with Jesus. Um, this goes along with LifeWay's VBS 2019 theme, uh, In the Wild. So if you're, you know, maybe teaching or helping out in VBS, um, wherever it may be, and you're using the In the Wild curriculum, you know, you can use these. You're more than welcome to use these to be able to kind of learn. Because what I do, basically, if this is your first time listening, is I like to go through um, the entire lesson that we're going to be teaching kids. And so, I mean, we've gone through the, the previous four lessons, and today will be the last one. But I like to be able to do that and just go verse by verse. And like I said, these can, you know, sometimes I think some of them, they average around 40 minutes. But, you know, you get so much context and so much, you know, um, I guess, you know, resources to be able to um, to be able to learn um, the content. And I feel like that's super important for us to be able to pour out to, you know, pour out this information to our kids and that they'll be able to learn and we would be able to learn along with them. So again, if you haven't, you know, listened to the past, you know, few episodes or maybe you missed a session, hey, go back and catch up on it because these encounters are pretty amazing, um, I will say that. Um, again, this is our final encounter and um, today's uh, encounter is on the road and our passage comes from Luke 24 verses 13 through 35. And so kind of our main point for today is that Jesus makes himself known to us. And our theme verse is Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Actually, remember a VBS about, uh, with that verse a few years ago, so it's pretty interesting. So if I was to ask you, you know, name a mammal with a brown fur. And, you know, we kind of do this little at the beginning, kind of this little animal thing kind of tie in with the theme. Um, so if I was to, again, if I was to ask you, name an animal um, or a mammal with brown fur, what would you say? Well, you'd probably say a bear, you know? I mean, that really kind of fits in. You could also have said, you know, a dog, a seal, otter, a prairie dog, you know, the list goes on and on. But then I get more specific. What if I was then to ask you, all right, what is a mammal that has brown fur and then has a snout shape kind of like a duck bill? You probably have to think about that for a little bit. Some of you may be like, boom, I know it. but. You know, some of you may take a little while, but either way, the answer would be the duck-billed platypus. And so the more specific the description, the easier it is to identify the animal that fits the description. And so a similar thing happens with the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament scriptures tell a story. The story of God's work in the world among people for the benefit of all peoples, including all of us. And this story's great purpose, the benefit for everyone, is that it points to Jesus. So there are two examples. I'm going to share two examples of how the Old Testament, um, you know, point to Jesus in various examples. One of them is actually found in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, when we talk about Abraham. Um, in Genesis 12, 15, and 17, they tell us that God promised offspring, land, and a blessing to a man named Abraham. Now, these blessings would be for the whole world, but Abraham Abraham first had to have a son. He waited 25 years until he was 100, and his wife, Sarah, was 90 before God gave them their son, Isaac. 
And then later in Genesis 22, uh, we find out that God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son on an altar. And Abraham obeys at the point of raising a knife to kill his son because he believed that God would raise him from the dead. And that's referencing Hebrews 11 verses 17 through 19 if you're interested in that. God stopped Abraham and provided a ram as a substitute sacrifice. And you see, God provides the perfect substitute as the sacrifice for our sins too, you know, uh, with his son Jesus. Flip a little bit, you know, towards the middle of your Bible um, and, you'll, and you'll start reading about David, King David. In 2 Samuel 7, we read that David wanted to build a house for God, but instead God built a house for David, an eternal kingdom and throne with one of David's descendants on the throne to reign forever. So God promised David that his son Solomon would build a temple for the Lord and rule in his place. And Solomon was that son, and he ruled over Israel in wisdom, peace, and justice until he followed the beliefs of his many wives and began to build temples to the false gods and to worship them. And again, you can read more about that in 1 Kings 11. But God's promises to Abraham and David were meant uh, for more than just Isaac and Solomon. See, God had in mind one offspring from Abraham who would bring blessing to the world, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is the sacrifice God provided for the sin of the world. And after his substitute death for sinners, he was raised from the dead to eternal life forevermore. Jesus is also the son of David. His body is the only pure and holy temple of the one true God. And having been raised from the dead, Jesus reigns forever over the whole world until it has all been brought under his rule according to the will of his father. Wow, that's super amazing right there, just to see little bits and pieces of the gospel in Genesis and, 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 and in Second uh, Samuel and, you know, all these amazing things. And again, these little encounters, they're like snapshots, they're like little pictures. And, and when you put them all together, they reveal the amazing truth that Jesus is the Messiah. That's actually kind of our, our theme verse that we've been studying that kind of encompasses this whole Bible study is John twenty thirty one. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in His name. So our amazing encounter with Jesus today occurred on the road, where Jesus explained that it, that it is true, not just of the Gospels in the New Testament, but of the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament as well, I should say. And I know the Old Testament can be hard to read at times. Um... It's, it's, it's very deep in some places, um, and it's kind of uh, graphic in some places. But, you know, you think about it, you know, we should take all of God's, you know, word, our Bibles, God's word, we should take it all seriously because it, it's all, uh, it was all written by him. It was all, you know, it provides, you know, so much um, information and, and it all points to Jesus, which is so awesome. And so I came up with, you know, this little uh, study guide had a, some reasons why we should take scripture seriously. And I'll give you some verses to go along. And you can pause this podcast and go and look them up or write them down. Um, I'm just going to go quickly through them because we got a lot to do with our lesson today. Um, what are some reasons that we should take scripture seriously? Um, we live by the word of God. References Deuteronomy 8.3, Matthew 4.4. 4. 
Uh, these are the words of eternal life. Deuteronomy 32:47, John 6:68. God's word is truth. John 17:17. 17, 17. God's word is eternal. Isaiah 48, Matthew 24:35. God's word gives wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. 2 Timothy 3:15. God's word is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Second uh, Timothy three verses sixteen seventeen, and finally, the scriptures testify about Jesus. John five thirty nine, and so Jesus reveals Himself to us through the pages of Scripture, as we will discover in an encounter on the road uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So this is going to be a pretty cool encounter. Uh, this is going to be amazing. Um, again, I'm going to read um, from the NIV translation. Um, and, our, and our lesson, our main lesson today is going to be found in Luke 24, verses 13 through 24. Or through 35, I should say. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about what had happened and, and about everything they had, or they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in three days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have, have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going far, uh, farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. 
and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he had broken the, when he had broke the bread. So wow, an amazing, again, a super amazing encounter right there. And just like I've done the past few segments uh, or the past few episodes or, or uh, sessions, I, I want to give you some background before we really dive deep into this. So again, these events, and it's super cool how this is so uh, tied in with last week's uh, lesson. So I would encourage you to go listen to last week's lesson and then come back and listen to this one um, because you'll, you'll understand a whole lot better. So this happens uh, right at, after the events of the resurrection um, had occurred and the encounter at the tomb that we studied last week. Uh, Mary Magdalene and the women went to tell the disciples that they had seen Jesus. The disciples didn't believe the women except Peter. And so Peter went out to the tomb and was amazed at what had happened. He knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, what's interesting is that women were not considered credible witnesses at that time. We talked about that last week. You know, they, you know people would be skeptical to believe them. Um, but Peter didn't, which is awesome. So now we get into our encounter. And again, we're going to kind of go verse by verse with this. Um, in verse 13, it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So again, they were traveling back on that Sunday, the resurrection uh, Sunday, if you want to call it that. In verse 14, they were talking about, or they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Um, so again, these disciples, followers of Jesus, they knew what had happened over the past three days. And they had heard about the women's report and Peter's experience at the empty tomb before leaving Jerusalem. Verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And in 16, but they were kept from recognizing him. So... That's pretty awesome right there. Again, you know, I can see these two arguing about what had happened, you know, and, and you know, over the past three days, what they had seen and everything. But, you know, that it also proves the two arguing um, about what had happened shows us that there was no agreement among Jesus' disciples about what had occurred and why. Like Peter at the tomb, many were amazed and yet unconvinced. Um, it is not known how God prevented the two disciples from recognizing Jesus at this point, but he eventually opened their eyes to recognize him, as we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, verse 17, he asked them, so this is Jesus talking now, he asked them, what are you, dis what are, or what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Um... Another translation, the CSB Christian Standard Bible says, uh, looking discouraged. So the disciples were, you know, they were discouraged um, and kind of getting into, you know, there's this word, I'm going to try and pronounce it. I don't know how it'll come out, but we'll see. The Greek word um, that's used um, is uh, skufropos. I probably messed that up, but either way, that would be translated to sad, you know, um, discouraged. And um, so, you know, they were all discouraged about what they had seen. 
And so now we know one of the names of one of the disciples. Um, in verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have, that have happened there in, the, in these days? You know, I can almost see him like, are you kidding me? You Haven't you seen what's happened here the last three days? Are you for real? Like, is this for real? Are you really asking this? Um, you know, the Emmaus disciples were shocked that the stranger, which was Jesus himself, seemed to know nothing about what had happened the past few days, though it was, you know, talk of Jerusalem. You know, in today's time, I guess, if it was, if this happened in today's time, I guess it'd be all over the news. Like, breaking news, the tomb is empty, you know, and it'd be on every newspaper, and it, well, not newspaper, but it'd be on social media, you know. And imagine, like, something big happening and, and you not, like, knowing it. Like, are you kidding? You don't know what's been going on the last few days? And I find that so cool and, you know, kind of interesting. Um, and in verse 19, um, what things, he asks. So Jesus then says, what things? Uh, and then they say back, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. He heard, pay attention to that. They said he was a prophet. Was. I mean, they thought, you know, that it was all over. And, and then look at 20, verse 20. Um, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. So, you know, the, the description of Jesus by the two disciples is short on both insight and faith. See, Jesus is referred to in relation to his hometown, Nazareth, and as a prophet, as a miracle worker. You know, they never refer to him as the Son of God. Again, looking at him, you know, in verse 19, prophet, you know, he was powerful in word and deed before God and people, um, you know, but they never mention him as the Son of God. See, this these disciples had not fully grasped Jesus' identity, nor had they understood the divine necessity of his death. Now, verse 21 is, is very interesting. What they say, this is, this, is, this is the disciples speaking. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Wow. So, you know, they they were like, it's the third day? I mean, he's missing. You know, he said he was going to rise up on the third day. Uh, you know, there's some doubt there as to whether it had happened or not. And in verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went into the tomb early this morning. And in verse 23, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Um, and in verse 24... Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So Jesus' death had basically dashed these disciples' hope that he was the Messiah. Again, you know, they thought in verse 21, referring back to it, they, you know, they said, you know, we had hope that he was the one. And they had seen Jesus' death, and because of that, you know, their hopes were dashed. I guess this isn't the one. 
See, the reports from the tomb that morning astounded them and made them wonder what was going on. Like, okay, that it was just like, you know, was his body stolen? You know, where, where, where is it? You know. And the reports again. The woman, you know, here's the reports. The woman didn't find Jesus' body at the tomb, and then the woman had seen a vision of angels proclaiming that he was alive. And number three. Some male disciples have verified that the tomb was indeed empty. So we had two male witnesses um, that have verified it. Now going to verse 25. This is Jesus about to speak. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? So, wow. Wow, wow, wow. And we'll get to that again. We'll go into the into deep a little bit um, more um, with that. We're going to continue on with verse 26. Uh, I already read that. Uh, verse 27, I should say. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So this is like ultimate, like this is incredible. So first of all, let's get kind of down to some of the stuff we just read. So the stranger, again Jesus, rebuked the two disciples for not believing the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, particularly about his suffering and his following glory. And so what Jesus did right then and there for the remainder of the walk to Emmaus, Jesus worked his way through all the major messianic prophecies in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. He interpreted it, he showed you know, how it had all pointed to him, and all that he had endured. So, I mean, you think about it. Jesus gave the ultimate Bible study right there on the road um, to Emmaus. Which is pretty awesome. Can you imagine Jesus, you know, talking with these these disciples and these people. And telling them everything about, hey, let me tell you how this connects to, to me. Jesus, I believe that I would have loved to have been there. That must have been the ultimate, ultimate Bible study ever given by Jesus himself, which is pretty awesome. I can definitely picture that. Um, verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him to stay. Uh, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, uh, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. So again, um, Jesus gave the you know when Jesus gave the impression that he was uh, gonna stop, in or that he wasn't gonna stop in Emmaus, they invite him to spend the night with them, uh, probably so they could hear more and you know so he could teach him more. Again, if I had gone for that experience, I'd be wanting to know more. Like, what, explain this, explain that, you know, and everything, um, which is pretty awesome. Again. What scripture was available at that time of Jesus and the disciples? And well, the answer is the Old Testament. Um, that is, you know, Moses and all the prophets was a part of the Old Testament. And so, I'm going to pause quickly right here and say, you know, and ask a question: What are your initial thoughts about the Old Testament? You know. For me, I think about it, okay, well, it's got the creation written in it. It's got Moses, you got Joseph, or and you got, you know, all these heroes, you know, Samson, David. Um, then you have the prophets, you have Daniel in the lion's den. You got Esther somewhere in there. But, you know, it's like, 
it's really hard because you also got like the stuff like you know Deuteronomy and and Judges and you know some of those books are really really hard to read and so that actually leads to my next question why do you think some people find it so difficult to read and understand again because there's so much that's like um you know it's just different um and it's confusing sometimes and you, you look at some of the stuff from leviticus you know numbers all these other you know stuff it's just incredible how it's it's kind of you know hard to understand you know just a lot of books in there and so the old testament can be confusing like i said because it comes from a different time and culture um we often struggle to make sense of the details but what helps us understand the old testament is its purpose and and think about this next time you're reading through something really hard in the old testament um its purpose the old testament's purpose ultimately points us to jesus and so that's pretty amazing right there um again we're going to continue on with verse 30 in our lesson um and so this is again jesus was at the table and he decided to stay, or he decided to stay with them. And so he went with them and he was at the table. They were having dinner. And verse 30 says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. So during the evening meal, Jesus blessed and broke the bread. Reminds you of something, doesn't it? The Last Supper. So at this point, the two disciples were allowed to recognize Jesus, but he immediately disappeared from them from sight. Like, that would be something like, like whoa, like he's here and then boom, gone, um, which is pretty awesome. And then verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And, um, again, or, or let me go ahead to verse 33 and then I'll make my points. Uh, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those of them assembled together. And so, the first thought was to recall the things that he, that Jesus had taught them as they walked from the road to Emmaus. And then with hearts burning, with burning hearts, um, they ventured to Jerusalem through the darkness of night. Again, this was, you know, I guess around dinner time. It was getting dark. It was, again, seven miles approximately from, you know, from Emmaus to Jerusalem. And they went to meet the apostles and tell them about this encounter that they had just had with Jesus. Uh, and then verse 34 says this. Um, and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two uh, told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So again, unknown to the two disciples, the risen Christ had appeared to Simon Peter sometime earlier that day. I would encourage you to look that up and, you know, and, and research on it. But, you know, Jesus set the two disciples' hearts ablaze with the good news of his resurrection um, again. They hadn't realized it until Jesus had took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them to eat. And then their eyes were open to Jesus' identity. And because of their experience also on the road, these two disciples immediately went to tell others about him. 
just as we who believe in the gospel of Jesus should do. And uh, that message, um, the message about Christ is found in both the Old and New Testaments. And that, and that it is our responsibility as believers in the Messiah, the Son of God, to make sure others hear this good news. And so, you know, we talked about earlier how Jesus was pointing to some of the prophecies in the Old Testament that pointed to him. And uh, I have this poster. Unfortunately, um, this is a podcast, so I can't show you the poster but I, I wrote out the verses and some of the main points. It's a, and uh, with Old Testament and New Testament, what it says, you know, and how it was fulfilled. Um, prophecies about Jesus' suffering, specifically um, about his death. So the first one, the first prophecy I want to share with you is that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And so in the Old Testament, in Numbers, so again, towards the beginning, you have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, um, the fourth book of the Bible. In chapter 21, verse 9, we read this. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now listen to the New Testament in John 3, verses 14 and 15. This is Jesus talking. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You can see the similarity, can't you? Let's go to another one. Um, he will be betrayed. Jesus will be betrayed and abandoned by his friends. So this is a Psalm of David, Psalm 41.9. And it says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. And then again, another one in the Old Testament, Zechariah 13.7. Awake, sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. So, in the New Testament, this is a, this is a long passage. I'm not going to read it all because it's, it's a lot of verses, but I want you to look it up. Mark chapter 14, verses 17, or 17 through 72. And... Um, so in this we we read about the Last Supper, and so you think about you know think about that psalm I just read. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Think about that Last Supper. Jesus was breaking the bread and passing it around. Judas ate of the bread, and he betrayed Jesus. Wow. Also, if you read in there, you'll read this whole passage that's almost similar to what Zacharias says about the striking the shepherd and all that thing. And then you hear, and then again, the betrayal, the betrayal of Jesus. Um, how everybody, all his followers, even Peter, who said he wouldn't leave Jesus for anything, left him, abandoned him. So, wow. Again, another amazing prophecy. Um, number three, the third one I want to share with you. Um, let me get my notes together and everything. Uh, number three, he will be counted among the rebels. So in Isaiah, or yeah, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, 12, it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Mark fifteen twenty seven in the New Testament, 
They crucified two rebels with him, with Jesus. One to his right and one to his left. Again, you read in, the, in that Old Testament passage in Isaiah, and was numbered with the transgressors. And then you see in the New Testament, he's crucified between two rebels. Wow. Prophecy number four. Not one of his bones will be broken. Psalm uh, 34.20 says, He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And then in the New Testament, in John um, chapter 19, verses 31 through 36, um, we see that Jesus' legs were not broken while he was on the cross. The other two disciples, um, the, or the other two of uh, the criminals on the cross, they had their legs broken. But when the Roman soldiers got to Jesus, they saw he was dead. And so they didn't break his legs. Again, fulfilling a prophecy. Number five, his side will be pierced. Zechariah in the Old Testament in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 10 says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn child or son. And then, in the New Testament, in John 19, verses 31 to 37, again, kind of similar to the last point I made, so they, they didn't break his bones, but just to kind of confirm that he was dead, the soldiers pierced, they threw a, uh, a spear in Jesus' side. He was pierced, his body was pierced. Not one of his bones was broken. Incredible, I mean, here's... Here's a sixth one, uh, a sixth prophecy that was fulfilled. The Lord will provide. Now, where have you heard that before? If, you, if, you, if you've been in Sunday school or, or have, you know, learned these uh, Bible stories when you were a kid, where have you heard that before? The Lord will provide. If you look at Genesis, all the way to the first book of the Bible, verse 22, 13, it says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. In the New Testament, John 1.29 The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Wow, that is super amazing. And we actually did it. One of our encounters was when, when John the Baptist met Jesus. At the river. So I would encourage you to go listen to that one. And and uh, it'd be pretty awesome. Again, you see how the Lord provides, you know. Um, you see a ram in Genesis and then the Lamb of God in the New Testament in John. Number seven. Prophecy number seven. His body will be buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53 verse 9 says, He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. In the New Testament, uh, Matthew 27, verses 57 through 60, we see that a rich man uh, whose name was Joseph, um, he had a tomb, a brand new tomb. And uh, that's where Jesus was buried. He was buried in his tomb. Again, Joseph, a rich man. 
We're not talking about Joseph, Jesus's uh, earthly father. We're talking about Joseph, the rich man, who let who allowed the tomb that he had to be used by Jesus. Again, fulfilling prophecy that his body would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And the last one I want to share with you. He will not be abandoned in death or see decay. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 16, verse 10, we, we read, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Again, in Acts 2, and I'm actually going to turn there real quick. Acts 2, um, verses 33 through 30, uh, verses Starting in verse 33, I should say. Let me find it real quick. And yeah, you see... You see that um, the same reference into this psalm. You see a reference to it in Acts 2, verses 23 through 32. So again, I would encourage you to you know, pause, maybe write these down. Because it's incredible. These prophecies are amazing. And that's something I really enjoyed um, learning about. So kind of to kind of close out this segment and kind of close out this study, uh, first close out the segment, uh, I want to give you four the four main points kind of from today's lesson. Number one, all of God's word points us to Jesus Christ. All of it. From Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. Number two, faith in God who keeps his promises brings us hope in the midst of our despair. Number three, God uses his word to ignite hearts with faith in Jesus. I love that word, ignite, like setting something on fire, like setting, like, you know, God uses his word to set us on fire for Jesus and to go and share the gospel. Number four, a right response to faith in the gospel of Jesus is to tell others about his death and resurrection for our sin. Wow. Wow. Incredible points right there. So again, I like to do this time at the end where I give you four possible responses. Maybe you come up with your own and you don't even use one of these. And that's okay. You know, God works in, in you and through different ways. Um, and he works through people in different ways. And so you might have gotten something different out of it. But here's some maybe, how can you apply this to your life? How can you apply what we've talked about? This, you know, amazing encounter on the road to Emmaus. And then, you know, reading about or seeing all these prophecies about Jesus. You know, how can we respond to this? Just like the previous five weeks or four weeks. Maybe you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe your response is that you believe that Jesus really is the Messiah, the Son of God, and have life in His name. Again, a referencing our theme verse. Or maybe... You know, you got curious after that little segment we that little segment we did about, you know, finding prophecies in the Old Testament and seeing how they were fulfilled by Jesus and how they, you know, have they how have they been fulfilled? Um so maybe your response is to look up these or others possibly and study the Old Testament prophecies that speak about Jesus' suffering according to God's plan. Again, you can go back and pause it and write them down. Uh, I gave you the verses. So that's pretty cool. Maybe your response is to use scripture to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ through face-to-face conversations, texts, and through social media. Um, that's something that I, I really love. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, 
a few, about a week ago, I had a very good friend uh, send me a text message of encouragement. It was, it was a Bible verse, but it, or it, was a, it had a Bible verse and it had a devotion. And I read through that, and, and that was just what I needed to hear on that day. And I don't know why this person sent it. They felt led by God to do it, I believe. And I truly believe that. But that was such an encouragement to me. I love to be able to encourage people. Uh, and just, you know, I'll text them. And it's like, hey, how can I be praying for you? How can I be praying for you this week? What's something that's going on in your mind? You know, um, I'll send that through text to some of my very close friends. Um, and, you know, face-to-face conversations. I'm a huge fan of having face-to-face conversations. Um, and sharing what God has done for us in our lives. Um, because He's so good. And, and you know... It, what we go through may encourage someone else who's in a storm or someone else, you know, um, who's going through whatever. It will encourage them to, you know, stay in Christ and everything. And social media, social, if you know me, I'm a huge social media person. Uh, I use my talents of video production to be able to share these little awesome videos that I make, the Go Connect Share videos, you know, to share to share the gospel and to, you know, it, it, it's, it's incredible. I could go on and on about this. But again, maybe your response is this. Maybe you need to encourage someone. And I would challenge you. Encourage someone. Send someone a text. Like, hey, how can I be praying for you? Just that simple. Just simple text like that. That's all it's got to be. How can I be praying for you? Or maybe you just want to send them a verse. Hey, I know what you're going through right now. Here's this verse to help me out when I went through this. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe your response, number four, would be to share the message about Christ with others so that they can trust that He is the Messiah, the Son of God. Again, living on mission every single day. Um, how do you share that message? Well, pray to God you know, and, and ask Him to show you ways to be able to be bold and courageous and, and to be able to open up doors for you to share what Jesus has done for you, how He's changed your life and everything. It's something incredible. So again, those are the four. Maybe God's, you know, had a a different response for you. Maybe you have a different response. And if that's the case, you know, that's amazing. And again, thank you so much for um, being, or going through this uh, Bible study, Encountering Jesus Bible study over the last few um, weeks. It's, It's been amazing. It's been a great learning experience. Like I said, I've learned so much. I pray that you've learned so much too and are even better prepared to teach and invest in these kids in Vacation Bible School because VBS is worth it. Um, in a time where a lot of churches are scaling down their days, um, you know, maybe doing one-day VBS or two-day, I'm definitely against that. I feel like, you know, we have five days. That's, that's you know, three hours each. That's 15 hours that we get to spend with them pouring in you know, these biblical truths into them in one week. And for me, that is an honor to be able to serve in VBS. And so I pray for your VBS. I pray for um, what God's going to do through this summer and how he's going to impact you through these because he's impacted my life through these encounters that I've studied. So again, thank you so much for joining. Um, Make sure to go listen to the other ones and share these with someone. Maybe they're not even doing VBS in the wild, but these biblical truths you know aren't limited to vbs they're limited you know they're not limited to you know a program they they apply to our lives every single day and so my prayer is that you would you know share these with someone who may need to hear them 
Again, we studied the encounter at the temple, the encounter at the river, the encounter on the water, the encounter at the tomb, and today the encounter on the road. All these point to Jesus and prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, we can have life in His name. So again, thank you, thank you so much for joining me on the Encountering Jesus Bible Study. And again, if you need to talk, just uh, talk to your pastor, a leader at church, someone you trust. You can text me on social media at the Noe Chavez, whatever, uh, whatever you feel led to do. Again, thank you again. I'm going to end this session by prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and thank you so much for this time um, to be able to study your word and to be able to go in depth and study and, and find out what it means, Lord. Wow, it is amazing. And thank you for this entire Bible study um, that we've been over the last five weeks. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. Um, I, you know, I feel like we've all learned a lot. Um, thank you. Thank you, God, for the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, um, that you raised him from the dead. And then thank you also for your word that points to Jesus so that we can have, you know, we can believe in him and have eternal life in him. Um, I pray for everyone who's listening to this, you know, that, that, we will, that we would be able to live by faith in the risen Christ uh, and in God's Word so that others will see and hear the good news of our Savior. Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage to go out into the world and to go proclaim Your Word to the nations and to, to everywhere, everywhere we go. Um, may we be the light. May You shine through us so that we can share the gospel. And that people may have to may come to know you and have a relationship with you. You are amazing, Lord. You are so worthy of all of our praise, Lord. And for that, we thank you. Um, you are absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I'm so thankful for this Bible study and what it's meant, Lord. I've, I've learned so much, Lord. And I pray that everybody who listens to this has also learned a lot. You're so amazing, Lord. Again, you're so worthy. You're worthy of all my praise, Lord. And I thank you for that. Thank you for what you're going to do this summer at VBS, Lord. And I pray for all the kids that are going to be impacted, Lord. And I know that you're, you got their plans for their lives. And, uh, and so we trust you, Lord. Um, we're preparing for, our, for a harvest, Lord. And Lord, only you can change hearts. And so we're trusting you with that, Lord. And we know that you're going to do incredible things at VBS this year whether it's in Gardendale or Cleveland or wherever it may be, whoever, you know, whatever church um, that someone's listening to this is from, um, you're going to do amazing works, Lord. And may we give you all the honor and the glory. And may we thank you for what you do. You are so good. And I thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.